And welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of the Morning Rush, which you can catch every weekday morning from 6 to 9 on ESPN Arkansas. You can also check out our website, hitthatline.com, for all types of great articles, videos, podcasts, whatever it is doing with the Arkansas Razorbacks. Be sure to check it out at hitthatline.com. We are just a mere 18 days away, or 17 days away, depending on when you actually listen to this podcast, until Arkansas Razorback football starts up. And I know everyone else is getting excited about it. And what I wanted to start the podcast with today was actually a pretty interesting list that was released by USA Today. Now, Every single year around this time, USA Today releases their update on the financial situation that the universities find themselves in, specifically college football programs, and how much revenue they are bringing in because of it. And I always find it to be a fascinating list because in the 2016-2017 year, Arkansas ranked 19th overall in all of college sports of the most revenue that they bring in. Now, in the latest Rank, uh, latest rankings, which at least is for the 2017-2018 season. That's the latest data that we have. Arkansas has moved down a little bit to 23rd. Now, that sounds pretty good because if you're in the top 25, it certainly makes things a little better. But at the same time, though, even though Arkansas is ranked at that position, they are still actually 10th in the SEC. It's almost like the recruiting classes, right? You feel good about it, but in reality, you're still pretty low on the totem pole and all things in putting into perspective. But the thing I wanted to discuss, though, is if you look at some of the top teams, and I'll just kind of quickly go through some of these schools and where they rank at. Texas, of course, is number one. Number two is Texas A&M. Three, Ohio State. Then Michigan at four. Then Alabama. Then Georgia. Then Oklahoma. Florida State. Penn State. Florida. That rounds out the top ten. Even keep going to Wisconsin. Auburn. Michigan State. LSU. Tennessee. Nebraska. South Carolina. Iowa. Louisville. Kentucky. UCLA. Washington. Arkansas at 23. Minnesota. And Indiana rounding out the top 25. What's crazy is Clemson is not mentioned in that list. Doesn't mean that they won't be here in the next year that the data is taken, but they rank at 27, Oregon's at 26. So just to give you an idea of where everything's at, those big-time programs, those ones at the top, bring in the most money. And I think it's a fascinating scenario that you have to look at of is it program success that brings in money or is it the money that brings in program success? Now, of course, you could take the cop-out answer and say a little bit of both. But there's no doubt that the big-time programs, the championship caliber and championship winning programs are at the top, or at least the ones that are year in and year out. I know I said Clemson's down there. I think that'll make a jump here very soon, but we'll get to that in just a second. But there's no doubt that the teams like Texas, Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Florida, even Penn State to an extent, LSU, those are programs that have proven themselves worthy of being the creme de la creme of college football. And I think one of the reasons why is because of the amount of revenue that they bring in. Now, success has to come along with it. None of these programs are to this level or making this much money without the success. Texas A&M is just a new animal, I guess. And it's not always every single team is the example, but you get what I'm saying. If you're a successful big-time program, you got to have the money to back it up. You can't pay coaches, high-caliber coaches, $2.5 million a year and expect them to stay for the lifelong term of the contract or expect nobody else to come knocking on their door trying to get them to come to their school. That just doesn't happen. And now you see a position like Arkansas at 23. It's better than what some people would even think. But it also proves something. 
It proves that at Arkansas, you get the money. You get the facilities. You get the support. You get the things necessary to be able to be a top 25 program. Now, of course, it comes down to good coaching. comes down to recruiting. comes down to the other things that go hand-in-hand with it, of course. But you can't win. You, let me put it this way. You can win big at a program that has a lot of money. You can lose at a program that has a lot of money. You can win big on a program that doesn't make money, but folks, you can't lose at a big program that makes money. You can't do that. And you can't have it to where, as a program, when you're bringing in that money, it makes it more difficult than a program that doesn't have the money coming in. Much more difficult. It's very obvious. So Arkansas being ranked in the top 25 on this list does not, again, mean that they should be a top 25 team year in and year out, although they think they have the capability of doing so. But what it does mean is that it is a program, it is a university that has the least of financial support in order to back up major success in football especially. If Arkansas gets winning, and I mean winning big, they have all the means to be able to back the money truck up and make sure that whoever the coach is, if it's Chad Morris or somebody else, they are taken care of financially. They can run with the big boys. Can they offer $10 million a year? I don't know, probably not. But can they offer seven and a half? Eight, if it will success, you better believe that they can do that. So just keep that in mind when people start asking you about Arkansas and whether or not you're a big-time program or not. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Hey, fantasy football players, make sure you listen to the Vinny Iyer Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. Vinny gives you the edge with over 20 years of experience covering fantasy football. Don't listen to the same stuff as everyone else. Then you are the same. So you got to get the that will put you ahead of the day on draft day and put you ahead all season long locked on fantasy football on your favorite podcast provider be sure to check it out all you fantasy football players you are locked on razorbacks your daily arkansas razorbacks podcast all right moving on into the next segment of the locked on razorbacks podcast this is actually a question that was submitted to me by one of you uh one of you listeners and i thought it was fascinating because it, it's it's a fun scenario. Oh, I shouldn't say it's a fun scenario because it <laughs> you'll you'll get what I'm saying. But it is a, a fun scenario to talk about and to discuss. And the scenario was thrown to me by Sean, asking if Arkansas was to go five and seven this year for sure, guaranteed five and seven, and they win four non-conference games, that gives them one and seven in conference. That one SEC victory, if you knew that was for sure going to be the case, who would you want that one victory to come against? Now, that is a tough question. Now, you think it'd be easy because everyone would probably be like, oh, well, you want to beat Alabama, of course. Yeah, of course you would. But if you beat Alabama in a year that you don't even make a bowl game, it was kind of all in vain, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't know if you want to go that route. I'll say this, though. I think Texas A&M would be the game that you'd want to win, and here's why. You're tired of losing to them every year. You shouldn't have lost to them every year. But thanks to Donuts that used to be here, you did that. You lost every year to Kevin Sumlin. Kevin Sumlin was fired for lack of success, and you lost every season to him while he was at A&M. Unacceptable, can't happen. You need that game because not only you're playing Texas A&M, which is, I think is more of a rival than anything, but you end that losing streak, you beat them in the state of Texas, you beat a Texas team, and your recruiting base is in Texas. It's where Chad Morris really wants to have his success run is at a place like Texas and in the state. And 
there's a lot of old connections to A&M, like John Chavis being your defensive coordinator. You think he would love to have that game? I'm sure he would. So would Morris. So would everybody who's on staff that was once at A&M. Even the players like Nick Starkle, Rakeem Boyd, who used to play for Texas A&M. To me, it has to be A&M for those reasons. And no one's going to be happy with 5-7. and seven. I know you won't be, and I know I won't be. But if there was that one victory, though, and you were able to say that victory was against Texas A&M, it at least will give you something. Beating Ole Miss, although you'll take it, won't make you just pump out your chest and say, yeah, we belong, we're here. No. It's more like, good job, you didn't finish last. You beat the team that did finish last. Beating A&M, though, would be kind of a statement. Again, no one would be higher with, high, uh, happy with five and seven. Nobody would. But, boy, wouldn't it be sweet to just beat the Aggies just once? Just once. It's been so long. It's pathetic how many times that they've lost to Arkansas, or how many times they've lost to AM. They shouldn't have ever do it, at least not to the frequency that they're doing it. So that would be mine. My close second, though, is Auburn, and here's why, folks. Arkansas has not won an SEC game in Fayetteville since 2016. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Let me repeat that. Arkansas has not won an SEC game in Fayetteville since 2016 when they beat Florida. It's been that long. You only get two SEC games in Fayetteville this year. If you don't want to go four straight seasons without a victory at home in the SEC, you got to win either Auburn or Mississippi State. Auburn would be much sweeter than Mississippi State, but you'll take whatever you can get them. That's a streak that has to end this year. I don't know if it will, but my gosh, please. They can't have this terrible, 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 terrible. Fix that up and fix that up quick, all right? That that's that's what I'm saying. Just I I don't think they're gonna like really just go out and win go five and seven. I'm still gonna go with six and six, and I'll break it down later uh, in the podcast or not this podcast, but later in the week. So just spare with me on that. But just know that I'm I'm all about a And M. Although I'll take any of them at this point in time, that's for sure. Hey, you like the NFL, right? Of course you do. You like sports. You like football. The NFL is coming around. And the new Locked On NFL is on fire. Last week was one of the most listened to NFL shows in all of podcasts with the expert analysis of former NFL scout Matt Williamson and hosted by Brian Peacock. Locked On NFL is your daily national podcast for all things NFL with Matt's unique take on the game. Be sure to follow Locked On NFL now on your favorite podcast provider to get all of the NFL action. Locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. All right, final segment here on the Locked On. Another thing I got to add into the mix, dealing with something that just pisses me off to no end. All right, so just just bear with me on this. But anyways, Tate Martell was the big storyline. Uh, this this kid who transferred from Ohio State ended up going to Miami. Uh, it was a story across the board of you know he didn't win his starting position with Miami. Ended up going to Jaron Williams the uh, redshirt freshman, and there were people actually out there, national media, national media, and covering college football that felt bad for Tate Martell, felt like he was a victim of the system. And, folks, this is something I feel very passionately about. And I don't know if I'm going to come off as sounding like an old man yelling in a cloud, but if I am, that's okay because I'll take it. This really pisses me off. I'm sick and tired of every single collegiate athlete being the victim and no matter what decision that they make. It seems like the only thing that everyone can get on board with is domestic violence. That's it. That's the only thing that when if a player makes a decision that everyone agrees is a horribly stupid decision, or at least a bad decision in general. No one can agree on anything else. And that's fine. People have their opinions. But 
there are actually writers out there that believe that Tate Martell was a victim of the system from the NCAA that went down to a school like Miami and felt like that he should be deserving of a starting spot. And the fact that he didn't get the deserving or the starting spot is some sort of victim, is some sort of issue, is some sort of problem that just, it's just so sad to see. It's not. It's not sad to see, folks. It's sad to see that see so many people defending the behavior and decisions, bad decisions, mind you, by collegiate athletes. This isn't just Tate Martell. This is a ton of different athletes, in college especially, regardless of sport, basketball, baseball, football, hockey, whatever it is. For some reason, these people are just considered to be victims of the sport, and I don't get it. I really don't. Folks, I know they're kids. I understand that. But at some point in time, we got to start holding these people responsible for their decisions and have to live with the decisions that they make. They're not, all right? They had an opportunity to play college football, and they got beat out by somebody better, all right? That's what it is. That's all it is. And stop making it into something that it's not. I get so frustrated with so many people defending the college athletes like they are just persecuted more so than anybody because the NCAA makes a bunch of money and coaches make a bunch of money and universities make a bunch of money, but they are sitting there starving to death in college and they have to go and they have to go to class and balance that with school and also with football. And it's terrible. Yeah, it is terrible. It's terrible in the fact that they get more benefits than any other college student on that campus. It is sad to see when those football players get food for them provided three meals a day, pretty much of, any, of quality food, when other college students have to pay for it on their own. It's sad to see that football players get full-ride scholarships to have all their school and housing paid for and books and everything, while other college students don't. Yeah, it's really sad to see. If you feel like the players should be compensated something, fine. We can have that discussion. But don't sit there and try to tell me that there's some sort of victims, that they're persecuted, that they're hated upon, that they're not getting what they deserve. Stop it. Stop it. They get exactly what they deserve, and they get more than what they deserve. Try walking a mile in the college student's shoes who's having to balance two jobs or a full-time job in school while trying to go and get their master's and paying their own way. Try that out for size because I guarantee you there is not a single, not a single college athlete or excuse me, a college student that wouldn't switch with a college athlete if it meant everything was paid for and provided. They would make that sacrifice and play a game they love called football if it meant the rest of the benefits came along with it. Right now, they would sign up for it. Student-athletes aren't victims, folks. They're not. Maybe you think they should be compensated more, and that's fine. But the last thing they are is victims. They get everything handed to them, especially in a situation like Tate Martell, where he's a quarterback at a major Division I school in Miami, Florida. You're telling me he's a victim? Telling me that he's the one that you should feel sorry for? Nah. I don't feel sorry for him. I feel sorry for the student-athletes and the walk-ons that are having to pay their own way and just to get a shot on the team. I feel bad for those students who are out there having to grind 80-plus hours a week just to make ends meet, and then once they graduate and find, try to find a job if, they're, if they can, they have tens of thousands of stu- dollars in student debt. That's where my sympathy lies. Stop being babies. Own up to your adversity. 
and learn from it. That's all I got to say. Appreciate everybody listening in to the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at Rush John Neighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We will keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We will see you then. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. 